the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be forgiven and we can be blessed with a new life. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Know this, our sin will always catch up with us. In this life or the next, all of humanity will have to give an account of all that they have ever done. The Bible makes it clear. Every man, every woman will die before the Lord. It's appointed. Every man and woman will die. It's like no one gets out of this life alive. It's an amazing statistic, you got to admit. One out of every one person dies. And after we die, we face judgment. Every one of us will stand before God. People say, I don't believe that. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you think because you're going to stand before God. I don't even believe in God. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to stand before God and have to give an account of your life. Everyone, it all comes back around. You'll reap what you sow. Every single person, it's just the reality. That is all those who have not had their sin forgiven by the sacrifice that God made for you and me on the cross. Because once we submit to him and our sin has been forgiven, we will not be judged for our sin because God has forgiven them. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. And I entitled this message, The Big Picture. Yes, these brothers were stunned. They were beside themselves in fear. Oh no, if this is Joseph... We're toast. He's going to roast us all. I'm sure all of his brothers, all they could think of was, he's going to kill us. We sold him. We closed our ears. We mocked him. We laughed at him as they drug him away as he was weeping with tears coming down his face 20 years ago. But notice what Joseph said three times in three verses. In verse 5, Joseph said, God sent me to preserve life. In verse 7, God sent me to preserve you, God's chosen people, the apple of his eye. And that would include the coming Messiah through the bloodline of Judah. He had to save all of them. Then in verse 8, he said, it was God that sent me here, not you. Know this, God allowed, are you ready for this? Yeah, you have to get, this is the crux of the story here. Are you getting this? Are you following this? It's like God allowed all the 
misery in Joseph's life, being sold as a slave, being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit, being forgotten by the cupbearer. He was in prison for, who knows, seven, eight years? Yes, Joseph's life, it seemed like a complete and total disaster. Yet all the hardship, all the pain that he had to endure only revealed him to be a type of Christ, a savior of sorts. God, obviously, is the only savior, but he used Joseph to accomplish his will on earth to preserve life. Amen. And not just for the chosen people, not just for Jacob and his you know, uh, other 11 sons and their wives, which were some like a little over 71 or 72 of them, not just to preserve the Jewish race, but for all of Egypt also. But why would God save all these Egyptians who don't even know him? Because God is a God of love and mercy, and he cares about all humanity. Remember when he created the Jewish race? Remember in you know, Genesis chapter 12 when he pulled Abraham aside? He says, yes, you're going to be the bearer of light to all the nations of the earth. I'm creating you as my own chosen people, the apple of my eye, but I'm going to use you for all the nations of the earth. And who knows how many people Joseph had already ministered to. Last time, we know that his personal servant was a believer because he was talking about God like he was his best friend. We also know that Pharaoh had recognized God through Joseph's life. Who knows how Pharaoh now is worshiping the one and only true God. That's why he made Joseph the second most powerful man in Egypt. Who knows? At this time, in this season of life, we know that Egypt eventually fell away 400 years later. But, but right now, there could be a full-blown revival happening in Egypt. After the severe famine has hit, we're two years into it, all the people, all the Egyptians there realize, oh my goodness, it's God working through Joseph. It's why we're still alive here. But getting back to Joseph, he's weeping so loud, it can be heard blocks away. Well, again, his brothers are absolutely in a state of shell shock. And Joseph tells him in verse 9, go to my father at once. Hurry up. Do not delay. Tell him that God has made me ruler in Egypt and he must come down here. Again, Joseph fully gets it. He doesn't blame shift. You know, you brothers are a bunch of scumbags. You're the worst brothers I've ever had. No one has brothers as bad as you. And maybe you're in a family and you have other family members that have been, you know, treated so much better than you. And you could look at them and say, well, you know, the reason that my life is like this is because, you know, all these other brothers or sisters or whatever. It's like, he doesn't do that. No blame shifting. He doesn't hold his brothers accountable for their own scumbag actions, their wickedness in selling him as a teenager. No, because he sees the bigger picture. God purposed it all. God made it all happen. You couldn't see anything good in his life until now. 
he recognizes that God allowed it all. He understands this bigger plan that God had. I wonder when disaster and hardship come to our lives and hit us right in the face, when circumstances go crazy in our lives, when people let us down, do we just blame everyone else and allow the deep-seated chip on our shoulder to grow and grow and grow like a hunchback? Do we allow bitterness to change us so, to affect those around us? I realized that my parents divorcing when I was 16 years old and me being thrust into the world all on my own led me to fail in every aspect of life. I wasn't coping with the difficulties and all the situations around me. So I got into drugs and drinking and I was stealing from my employer and I I just, I, I became who I never thought I was going to be. But those are the things that drove me to Christ. So you can either become bitter or you can just like realize like I'm a mess on my own and it drove me to Christ. So the thing that was poised to break me The thing that was poised to crush me, God used those things in my life to put me in a place and position to where I had to reach up to touch the bottom, and that's where I found Christ. And maybe, you know, you find yourself in this place, and you're bitter. You're bitter with culture, society. You're just bitter. You know, you're just a little bitter pug. You just got all this problems with everyone and you know we've been so shortchanged it's like well it's like why don't you rise up to the account of being used who God wants you to be and get out of this this place of oppression and come into a place where you can lead other people to find true life amen amen Anyway, Genesis 45, 16 says, Now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are ordered, do this, take brand new wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come and do not concern yourselves with your goods. For the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Wow. Man, you guys just hit the lottery here. Notice when Pharaoh heard of this wonderful, wonderful news of Joseph's family. It it said in verse 16 that Pharaoh was pleased. Now, why was he so pleased? Because Joseph was highly esteemed in Egypt. The whole nation was filled with gratitude for this man. It's like after the wisdom that God had given him to spare this entire nation from this wretched and severe famine, this was a great opportunity for Pharaoh to pour out his thanks and blessings on Joseph's family. Notice how far the blessing extends. First, Pharaoh commanded them in verse 17, load up your beasts, meaning take as much food as you want back to your land. But then he said in verse 18, go get your father. 
and go get your wives and your children, your families, and bring them back here. I'm going to give you the best of the land. And you shall eat the fat of the land. You're going to eat like kings here. Meaning, you're going to have everything that you need. He commanded them in verse 19, take wagons, bring your families. This is like someone telling you, here, take some brand new moving trucks, go grab all of your stuff. You're moving to Beverly Hills into a mansion. And in verse 20, he said, don't concern yourself with your goods because we have the best for you. What does that mean? It means don't worry about your old pots and pans. Okay, leave that nasty old couch and love seat. That one that's got the material look like it came from the 60s. It's like, no, 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 you leave that. And don't bring your bean bags, okay? You know, just leave all your junk because now everything is going to be brand new. You're going to have everything that you want. Nothing will be held back from you. Wow, what a blessing. Well, it had nothing to do with these brothers Does this blessing have anything to do with the brothers? Did these brothers deserve any of this? We're going to roll out the red carpet and we're going to give you the best of the land and everything? No, no, they they deserve nothing. They deserve a death sentence. These guys sold their brother as a slave. Joseph could have said, you know, it's time for repay. I don't get mad. I just get even, okay? He could have said that. He says, all the misery that you caused me, I mean, I was a slave and scrubbing floors and then I got thrown in prison because this woman, you know, had falsely accused me of attacking her. I didn't touch her. I was sitting in a prison for eight years. You know, it's like, you know, he could have said, man, I have nothing to do with you bunch of scumbags. Give me my little brother, Benjamin, and you guys are, you know, I'm just going to kill you all. They deserve nothing. It had everything to do with Joseph. This is where Joseph becomes a type of Christ. They were all saved and extremely blessed because of Joseph. And so it is with you and with me. We too deserve nothing. Like what do we really deserve? We, we think we deserve all of this. And you know, someone owes me something. Hey, how about this? We all deserve judgment because of our own sin in our lives. How about that? Okay, we deserve nothing. We, like Joseph's brothers, have sinned greatly before God. Yet at the same time, because Jesus bore our sin on his body, when we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be forgiven and we can be blessed with a new life. And we, like his brothers, should leave our old life behind and allow God to make all things new for us. That's why I love that verse. Oh, you're going to clap more on the verse here. Trust me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man or woman is in Christ, he becomes, she becomes a new creature. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. Wow. How's that possible? See, a lot of times, you know, after you walk with the Lord for a while, you get to the point where like, okay, I, I get that God's forgiven me, but we kind of don't forgive ourselves, you know. It's kind of like, you know, like, no, I'm just a scumbag, you know, because, you know, when you're young, you think, oh, I'll, I'll grow out of this, and then you get older, and you're like, no, I haven't grown out of it yet, okay. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm like a worthless, you know, teabag that's just been already used, you know. But yet God's like, no, but I love you. 
Yeah, but God, I don't deserve your love. Well, obviously, but I love you. And his love supersedes us. And it's like he looks at us because he's already forgiven us. And we're thinking, no, I'm a scumbag. No, 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 no. I love you. And we are the chosen people of God. Not because we deserve it, but because Christ bore our sin on his body. Amen. Amen. Which brings up our final point. News that revived. Oh, don't you like reviving news? Don't you love just good news? It just comes in and just, it's just it's like a tsunami into your heart. It's just, oh, it's like, oh, this is so great. It's just like, it floods you with joy. Look at verse 24. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. Then they went up from Egypt, and they came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. What? Joseph's alive? Wait a minute. You guys are the ones that told me he got ate by an animal. He is ruler in all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. And when they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons, all the new wagons from Egypt that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. (sighs) Wow. Then Israel, who is Jacob, obviously, God changed his name to Israel, said, It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him. Before I die. Wow. It put a few extra steps in his step. Notice when he sent his brothers away, Joseph said in verse 24, do not quarrel. Don't quarrel in the New American Standard. Now, if you have a King James Bible, it says, do not become troubled. Now, the original Hebrew word kind of means both. It's don't be troubled And don't be quarreling among yourselves. So what does that mean? You know, I thought we were all, you know, going to have this happy reunion here. And they were. But let's not forget, they have to confess to their father Jacob, you know, who God renamed Israel, that they had lied to him for 20 plus years Yes, when they broke his heart and informed him that his favorite son, Joseph, was eaten by a wild animal. Now they have to say, hey, Dad, yeah, uh, we're lying dogs, okay? We broke your heart and we left you with that for 20 years. That wild animal thing never happened. Oh, and we also forgot to tell you, it was kind of us that sold him our little brother, our own flesh and blood as a slave to Ishmaelite slave traders. And his life has been a living hell. But now God has delivered him. And dad, man, we did everything wrong. I don't know how you could ever forgive us, but our little brother, he's the second most powerful man in the world governing empire of Egypt now. Yes, I'm sure there was a lot of finger pointing like Reuben who wanted to deliver Joseph. Remember, he put him in the hole. He's going to come back and deliver him and take him back to his dad. Maybe a couple others didn't want to sell him either. And they're all saying, I told you we shouldn't have done it. We've been living in hell for 20 years because of that decision. Who knows what they were saying? 
But know this, Joseph knew that they were going to blame one another. But again, God had purposed all of this to happen. Let's go back. God allowed it to happen. Sometimes God, he allows misery in our lives for something we can't see at the moment. He allows it. You know, all that misery, all for his future glory and saving an entire nation of people from a severe drought that was coming. Well, when they got home, Jacob just, yeah, he couldn't believe it. Like, what? My son Joseph alive? What are you talking about? Verse 26, he was stunned, it says. Meaning he, it didn't make sense to him. He was shocked. He was hearing words in his, in his ears that his mind could not grasp onto. It was, it was insanity to him, craziness. But when he saw all the wagons and the blessings and the food and all of that stuff, in verse 27, he says, my spirit, ah, it was revived inside. In the Hebrew, it means his spirit was quickened. It was made uh, 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 purposed again. Yeah, he was restored from a place of depression. It was like he had been in a funk for 20 years. Maybe some of you know what that's like. He was trying to get out of this funk. He couldn't get out of it. It's like this, this dark cloud, this, this, is this bag of misery. I wonder, as we end here today, is there anyone here today? You're in a funk. You're in, 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 in a cloud that you can't seem to get out of. You've been caught up in it. And it, it, is there anyone here that's just, just right now, would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come inside of you and to revive your hearts. Like where we're, it's not a human thing, it's God reaches inside of you and just clicks something inside of you and you come out of your funk. All this hardship that you've had to endure, this misery in your life and all these hardships and, you know, would you allow them to drive you to Christ? See, if everyone won the lottery and everyone had the mansion on the hill and everyone drove a Ferrari and everyone had everything and, and, and you're on vacation uh, 11 months out of the year, it's like, we're not, we're not looking to the Lord. It's like, uh, I'm busy. I'm going to Cancun. I'm going to Caracas. I'm going here, you know, wherever, you know. You're going somewhere, but you're not going here in L.A. No, I'm out of here. Okay. I'm gone. You know, what to, you, know, you can catch me at 1-800-Tahiti. Uh, okay. You know, you ever see those places where they have like the rooms are like built over the water and they have glass bottoms and uh, I've never been there. Okay. But <laughs> well, I'm just saying, but doesn't it make you like, I, I want, I want that. Okay. <laughs> I, I want that. See, we all want that kind of thing. But see, when we live that lifestyle, where do you, it, where's the Lord at in that? I mean, we live in the hotbed of money here, don't we? We don't have the money, but we live next to it. It's, it's like it's all around us. It's like my grandson, you know, he lives in, in north of Philadelphia, you know, and, 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 you know, he's in the hood, you know. So, you know, he comes out here. It's like, Papa, let's go to Beverly Hills because he loves cars. He goes, do you think we'll see a McLaren? Do you think we'll see a Ferrari? Yeah, by the dozen. You know, <laughs> and it's like, so we, we drive up here to Beverly Hills, like, oh, there's a Rolls Royce, there's a Bentley, there's a Ferrari, there's a McLaren, there's a, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, we live around it, but how many of these people are sold out to Christ? How many? 
So we, we look at our life and it's like, well, I want that and I want that. And so I can't, but yet God put us in a place where we could find him. And, and he is everything. Do, is there anyone here that's in a funk? Is there anyone here that needs to be revived by the Holy Spirit? Remember what it says in Acts 3.19? He says, repent, therefore, and return to the Lord so your sin may be forgiven in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. People say, well, if I come to Christ, do I have to change my life? Yes, of course. Because you're on a highway to hell, maybe some of you. You're, you're living in sin, and it's like, uh, yes. God's not like, oh, yeah, come to me and stay in sin and stay in all the things that have you in bondage. Yes, that, that makes sense. No, it's like, come as you are, come with your mess, Come with your funk and let me set you free. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA all one word to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.